Are you looking for the ideal gift for the dog-loving children in your family? Jack and Billy Puppy Tales is a delightful story with an important message for children of all ages. It's written by Steve Goodall and Sally Bradbury. You'll follow two puppies, Jack and Billy, during that all-important first year of their lives. It's had some amazing reviews from some of the top dog trainers in the world. Dr Ian Dunbar, veterinary behaviourist, says... I started to smile after only four pages. I couldn't put it down and at the end I could barely read for tears of happiness. This is a wonderful book. Karen Tong, dog training instructor and child dog bite prevention educator, said this... This will definitely educate both children and adults about the correct way to bring up a puppy. It belongs in the home of all dog lovers and anyone considering acquiring a puppy. You can find us at jackandbillypuppytails.com and join the adventures. We're also on Facebook, Jack and Billy Puppy Tales. See you soon. We have some very exciting news for you on the Barks from the Bookshelf podcast. Our lovely friends at Dogwise, who publish a lot of the books that we have featured and are due to feature, have decided to give all of you lovely listeners 10% off all of their titles. So if you head to their website, which is www.dogwise.com, dogwise.com you can have a look at their catalogue and when you get to your shopping cart at the end just type in the coupon code which is barkbook all one word b-a-r-k-b-o-o-k and they'll give you a whopping 10% off enjoy Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop till we're gone. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop, we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop. Hello. Hello. Oh, I was trying to do like sort of um, harmony. Harmony. What a three-part. Yeah, like. Because there's three of us, we could do like a well, we couldn't do a barbershop quartet, could we? What so no, I got I, four of us. If I started Hello 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 There you go. <laughs> hey Amazing. I'm definitely gonna edit that into a little uh, a little jingle <laughs> of some description. Hey hey, hey, there's three voices though, Nat. I know. Who else is here? Who is Mystery guest. <laughs> it's Mystery. <laughs> well, yeah, and t- do you know what? You are actually the first returning guest on Barks oh, of really? the Really? Yes. Yeah, you are. Oh, uh-huh, I'm honoured. Uh-huh. I'm so honoured yeah. now. Sorry. That's fantastic. Danielle Beck, how yes. the devil are you? I'm really good. I'm absolutely amazing at the minute, and I'm really excited about what I've come here to talk to you all about. Ah, I know, and this is this is exciting. This is really, really exciting. And uh, well, I, I'm going to hand hand it over to you. Explain why are you here? What are we talking about today? What why are, we, why are you here? here? <laughs> it's not, why are we you don't need to go that's as a, philosophical as that. That's a big question. We don't have time for. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, last time I was here, we were talking about kind of mental health and trauma and reactive dogs and that kind of thing. And as most of you listeners know, I live with a trauma disorder. It's kind of what I do. I also help a lot of animals, 
And I've kind of combined my knowledge between the human part and the animal part to kind of bring it together. So I am bringing for the first time ever a trauma and animals conference. A trauma yes. and animals conference. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll put a massive uh, soundbite of a crowd going bananas there. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we need. So trauma yeah. in animals conference. I mean, yeah, I remember the chat we had. Those of you that haven't listened, go back, find it. It was absolutely... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of... Yeah, there's not many occasions on the podcast where I just sort of shut up and listen, but that was, that was <laughs> one of them. I, I have the pleasure of editing um this podcast and when you see the sound waveform normally mine's just loads loads of spikes all the way along if if um if i'm just enthralled in it i very rarely do i speak which is great so you that you it's a great <laughs> it's a great talent you've got if you can shut me up That's fantastic. <laughs> so obviously um Nat with Drax. Um, yeah. You, you, well, you're, you're speaking at the conference, aren't you? I am. Yes. I mean, I, I am over the moon to be asked. And, uh, you know, we've been trying to kind of build a network for a while now, haven't we? And, yeah. and people have um, come out of the woodwork and going, oh my goodness, I didn't know other people were really interested in this. So it's, it's lovely. There's a really kind of growing momentum to understand um, trauma um, in uh, non-human animals. And um, I've, I've done the kind of Drax webinar quite a few times now to different audiences and it, it always goes down really well. I think mm. it's it just kind of flips a switch in people to think about things on another level, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about this conference. I think it's gonna be brilliant. Yeah, exactly that. And I think it's really important for people to understand that, you know, sometimes your dogs are a bit reactive. Sometimes they can be a little bit naughty and a bit cheeky, but some of them are doing it because they've got deeper rooted problems. Like they've had experiences that have literally changed how their brain works. And we're not going to fix that just through training alone. Like we're not going to be able to help them just by going, look at that, here's some food. We need to reach them on a, on a deeper level by doing less training and more kind of bond building so to speak. And that's what this conference is all about. And it's going to take lots of elements from the human literature so we can find out a little bit more about how trauma affects people and then go, these areas of the brain that these disorders affect, they exist in our animals mm-hmm. and they are highlighted in a very similar way. And this is how we can help them. So people have these animals and they're doing all the training going, it's just not working. We're kind of reaching this this stage where it's kind of plateauing and we, we can only get so far and then my dog still explodes or they're still shutting down and they can't figure out chances are your dog's experienced some kind of trauma and we need to address the trauma before we can address the behavior mm-hmm. it's a yeah. fascinating fascinating topic uh and mm. I, I, all of the thing i remember from the last chat we had all of those things that you were talking about were just you know really blowing my mind so what <laughs> what if you're in any way sort of like a behavior geek of any way shape or form then this conference will be one for you without a doubt did, did you want to um talk us through sort of the 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 ins and out of the conference maybe the speakers that are turning up what they're going to talk yeah. about everything basically yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely so what we're doing is being me is this conference is going to be as accessible as you can get for people mm-hmm. so all of the presentations are going to be pre-recorded the videos are going to be transcribed so they're going to have closed captions so anyone can can read along brilliant and we're going to make sure that each of the videos are going to be released before the actual day of the conference so the week before all the presentations are going to be released so you can watch them in your own time and watch them as many times as you want to to get the kind of full information of it 
each speaker has their own group on a forum on our conference website. So you can watch that person's presentation. You can start asking questions and start engaging with each other about the topic before the conference actually starts. Then on conference day, we're going to play the recordings of the presentations and then we're going to have discussion panels and they're the, they're the main bit. We're going to have mm. each of the speakers from that day all together answering all of your questions. So we're going to get like, we want to have it as like a really interactive conference. We want people to feel like they can ask questions, they can find out more. So it's not just for all the behavior geeks and stuff, by all means, you will love it. But for dog owners that want to learn a little bit more, some of the things might be a little bit scientific, but we're going to try and break it down as much as possible to make it more easily obtainable. So those that have pet dogs that are having these problems, that you can listen along and you will learn something. So we're going to split it into two days. Day one is going to be all the kind of the scientific nitty gritty kind of things. We're going to go a bit into the brain. So on day one, we have the wonderful Frank McMillan. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, that amazing. was my ethereal. I love him. He's amazing. Yeah, maybe you can get him on Barks of Bookshelf for his book on mental health and animals. I, I do have it on my shelf. Yeah, because he literally wrote the book on mental health and animals. Okay. Um, <laughs> he has literally, literally, literally. Yeah. That's the way you should uh, introduce him on the conference. Yeah, He's literally written will. a book on it. <laughs> he does quite a lot of talks on post traumatic stress animals and social pain and things like that he's presenting brand new material for us though um so he's going to talk beyond post-traumatic stress other adverse mental health outcomes of psychological trauma in animals so he's going to talk about if animals can have depression if they can have good mental health anxiety bad mental health and other things that can happen as opposed to just not just post-traumatic stress but you know what i mean yeah sure um so he's going to kick starters off on the conference day with that we then have the wonderful Dr. Christina Spaulding, who is a fantastic neuroscientist. She's fantastic. And she's going to deep dive into trauma and the brain to tell us all about how trauma affects the brain and how that is parallels with people and dogs and other species. She'll kind of encompass everything together. We're rounding up the conference that day with Jessie Sams. Yay, Jessie! Mm, Jessie's lovely. And she's going to talk about creating safety in trauma time as Amano in traumatized animals not easy animals. for you to say <laughs> <laughs> clearly no um and jess is a fantastic lady she's got so much knowledge on trauma and so she's going to kind of kickstart a little bit of what day two is all about that building that safety within our animals i can't wait to hear jesse speak as well i'm so looking forward to yeah hearing jesse speak and then to kickstart day two so day two is going to be all about the rehabilitation side of things so what we can we actually do to help these animals and kickstart that is Dr. Risa Van Fleet. Oh, amazing! And we need to have Risa on as well, Steve. Yeah, so she need, she was to... she was involved in our original uh, wish yeah. list of books for. Um, I've got it in front of me. I can't think of the name of the human book. Human half, half a dog. Human training. half a dog training. Yeah. yeah, there it is. Oh, there it is. There it is over there. Yeah, a fa- yeah. what? Yeah, fabulous book. Yeah, she's yeah. just very very busy. I've emailed her a lot, and yeah, oh, yeah, it's pinning her down. So I will be pinning her down in the discussion. <laughs> That'd be one of my questions to her. <laughs> Are you free on the sixth of July? To come on our yeah. <laughs> yeah, give her a, give her a date, and that'll be that'll be a lot easier. <laughs> Um, so Risa loves trauma. It's one of her topics because she did a lot of work with trauma and children and she does a lot of things as a play therapist and has transferred that over into animals. So she's going to kickstart our day two and her presentation is going to be all about overcoming extreme fear in animals, safety, social facilitation, exploration and play. 
Wow. Okay. Which will be fantastic. She'll cover so all useful the for so many people. Yeah. Because uh, so many people just, when you've got a dog that has problems, is you focus so much on the training, people tend to ignore the play. Mm. And how sometimes just sitting with your dog, just enjoying that that space, like making them feel safe, playing with them, getting to actually engage in those fun ways. They're the really important parts for our dogs. Like, don't worry about the sits and the stands and can they look at you and can they walk on a loose lead? Let's get them playing. I mm. went, I, I, I always remember, I went to, I don't know if you came came to this nap, but there was a, there was a, um, like a free lecture um, presentation at uh, Winchester, uh, the University of Winchester about play and how much it aids learning and it was it was a human it wasn't to do with animals but it was yeah. massively fascinating and yeah it makes sense that you know incorporating those things into rehabilitation as well yeah absolutely so she's going to kickstart our day then following research we have natalie yay who <laughs> <laughs> we have you know, when you lady. go and get your cup of tea and have your lunch <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's this strange lady that's got this wolfhound yeah oh, i don't yeah. know if you know of him he's called drax he's all about him all the time yeah <laughs> and natalie's topic is a day in the life of drax the essential principles of implementing a trauma-informed approach to recovery so this is gonna be new material on drax for those that have seen some of the presentations before to kind of give a bit more of an in-depth into the trauma reasons as to why she's done the things the, the way that she has what's worked what hasn't possibly what's what happens again i will let natalie talk a bit more about what she thinks she wants to present on <laughs> yeah well i think um part of it is gonna be uh setting kind of expectations mm-hmm. so um essential skills for caregivers of dogs that that, that might have experienced trauma mm-hmm. um because I think uh, just like if you go and buy yourself a working cocker spaniel puppy, you can easily find yourself overdogged with a, a dog that's experienced trauma. Um, mm. And it, it, you know, um, I, it's really hard because I want to say I've loved every second, but then there's times when he spooks and it breaks your little heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd be lying if I didn't say, I wish I could wave a magic wand and he would be happy. But yeah. actually you get so much more and so does he from those little moments. So yeah. I think what I want everyone to go away from my talk with, and I haven't quite figured out how I'm going to do it, but is to, to really re- rejoice and embrace and enjoy the minutiae of detail uh, mm. that um, is involved in progress out of trauma. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Rather than, you know, yes, they can't walk on a lead outside, but he'll take food from my hand. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. he's able to sit in a room and relax as a man walks past. Yeah. But like just little things like that that are so scary for so many dogs. Yeah. And I think sometimes you see other people with their dogs out and about, and I can see, especially my own clients, like, but they're not doing this, and they're not able to do that. And, like, mm-hmm. and these other dogs are able to do that. And I'm like, yeah, but when you look at the other dogs, sometimes they're doing that because they're more suppressed. They've kind of taken that fawning approach in, re- in response to the trauma, where they just do what they're told because they're too scared not to. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, they can go out on a walk, but it doesn't mean that they should be out on a walk. Are they emotionally ready to do that? Yeah, and and all the time that you are looking at your dog and thinking about things that they can't do, you're missing all the things they can do. Yeah. And, like, the the other day, for the first time, um, I was out in the garden with Drax, and Jay was just uh, making us coffee, and he came, Jay came up the garden, and Drax saw him, did a play bow, ran Mm. off, 
<laughs> it's like, amazing. oh my god, he's happy to say it. It's because we're <laughs> lunatics and we run around with him like crazy people in the garden in the morning, and he's yeah. so he loves it so much. But we've always either been out there one to one, or we've both gone out at the same time. So we wouldn't, you know, changing that routine up. I mean, previously, if someone would come up the garden, he would have gone, oh, who was that? Oh, spook. Yeah. Um, but yeah, play bow, ran around. It was amazing. Oh. We both sort of stood there welling up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. We're so... Oh, word. <laughs> we're, I think we're humans, you know, I mean, maybe even not dealing with trauma, but we're so goal-orientated, aren't we? We're so the end, yeah. the end of it that, you know, cutting... It's a tough sell to talk about you know raising criteria in tiny increments when you're not dealing with trauma you know um yeah. <laughs> so so i think yeah i love i love that idea of focusing on on the journey almost or not maybe mm-hmm. not the journey but the you like you say the little the little wins that you get i used to always start my puppy classes with going around the room and celebrating our successes this week what's happened this week that's been a success if you'd have asked uh, let's talk about what's done your head in about your puppy this week the list probably would have been you know some people struggle to think about what's what's happened that was good this week you know and you can see them thinking about it and everyone hates to be picked first for this but you're trying to shift that mindset aren't you it's like well that's great you know you you yeah. had one we indoors this week brilliant awesome you know well done let's let's have a round of applause from everyone for that you know Um, yeah celebrate your successes i'm all about that and then finishing off uh day two is rachel leather and yay rachel's lovely she's done so much work in trauma with particularly with children and so much with dogs and her presentation is going to be on a route map for assessment and treatment planning so she's going to go a bit more into the technical side of what natalie is talking about it's going to help Ideally, with we're thinking like rescue type things, so like how to assess, how to do the treatment plans, how to kind of work through what it is that we're dealing with to make it suitable for that particular dog. Because so many with some of these charities and they are so well-meaning and it's wonderful, but sometimes it's, they're pushing a little bit too far. They just skip like really small, minute criteria. Like if you just spent a little bit of time just building on this little bit here, mm-hmm. all this would be faster and yeah. much better for the dog. So... And Rachel is the queen of flow charts, kind oh of my diagrams. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you call them, like where you have a thing in the middle and then things coming off them. And oh, they, it's amazing. They used to be, I have one called Simple Mind Club. They used to be mind maps, didn't they? And yeah. they changed the name for, for some, I can't remember. Well, um, it's like a spider diagram type yeah. thing. It is. And but she's wonderful at doing, yeah. doing that. Of, okay, this is our dog. How do we create safety with this dog in this environment? And it's very particular to the case by case thing that she does. And it's wonderful. I wish I had the mind to be able to do that Mm. with with clients. What I do is completely different, but the same. It's so strange. All of us that kind of have that trauma-informed behavior thing is we're working on the same thing, but we influence it in so many different ways. I'm so looking forward to to getting Rachel's perspective on that and and seeing what I can take from it for my own clients. Yeah. And I really think that... um... Uh, a lot of people that work in rescue are, are going to benefit from this. So I hope mm-hmm. we get a good a good crowd from the rescue community as well, because um, you know often they're at the sharp end of trauma, aren't they? They yeah. they've got the dogs that have have been sort of maybe failed along the line by yeah. by their their humans, um, or people have have tried and and not had the appropriate uh, skills or experience. So. Yeah, I'll definitely be sharing it everywhere with all, all my rescue pals. Yeah, because 
because the ones in rescue they're at the front line of all this mm. and i think it's difficult for those in rescue because sometimes they know that sometimes what they're doing on a daily basis of going in cleaning the kennels using the hose pipes and doing that can exacerbate some of the already existing trauma so mm. it's good, okay how can we make this as minimizing as possible for this individual how can we make it as as calm for the individual as possible mm. to prevent re-traumatization because a lot of them have issues with being trapped in things because they've been trapped or they've been stuck in cages for so long and then they go into a kennel environment and it's just yeah. making sure that they're able to work through that and i think if everyone has a working knowledge of how trauma affects the brain so they know that in these situations you're dealing with an emotionally charged animal not necessarily a cognitive thinking animal mm-hmm. you're going to respond differently to that because you're like actually their brain's not here right now so i need to do whatever i can to help this animal emotionally through this situation before it can start to think yeah i think that's why christina's um uh presentation will be really important as well because it's kind of it it puts out there that this is a this is a a physiological change that has occurred um that might need some form of of medical intervention you know and so uh, even more important in these cases i mean it's always important obviously to be working with a um a, a veterinary professional on yeah. a lot of these cases to see whether there's some complementary therapy that can happen as well yeah because sometimes with the medication sometimes it's more beneficial for some of these dogs just to have that little bit of medication to help those that neuron firing to happen faster mm-hmm. to see if you can build up and repair i think it was one of karen overall's talks she was saying that if you can give some of the medication to the younger puppies it can help repair some of the brain mm-hmm. and it can help like undo some of the damage that has been done by the early trauma if you get the medication in early Mm. so there's just things like that that's so important for us to to understand about these animals is so, so many of them they're not just reactive dogs because they've been a little bit under socialized you know they're dogs that have experienced like legitimate trauma which can vary so much for, for individual to individual but it changes their brain it changes the way that they develop and we have to approach it differently you know it's one thing for an animal to be anxious in a situation because they're worried about something that might happen it's a completely different anxiety when you're worrying about something that already has happened. Mm-hmm. Very difficult to convince an animal that this isn't going to happen again. Very mm-hmm. similar to humans. <laughs> you know, if, yeah. we've, if we've experienced a bad thing, then people can't say, oh, don't worry, that's not going to happen. You're like, well, it has. So you can't yeah. tell me that. How, yeah. how do you assess that? So when you when you see, when you go to see someone, someone's brought an animal to you, you think maybe they've suffered a trauma in the past or something like that. Maybe they're concerned about it. Maybe you're just seeing a reactive dog as a behaviorist. I don't know. Um, uh, how, how are you looking and saying, right, this is, this is now moving into a possible trauma category? Do you want to take this now or do you want me to? Uh, you know, you're the guest. <laughs> People are bored of listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> the way that I do it is, first of all, if we've got a history, we'll have a look at the history and see if there's any potential for trauma to have occurred, either in the breeding environment, the rescue mm-hmm. centre, if they've been attacked in the past, if they've been in the vets where things may have happened. And with trauma with dogs, it doesn't have to be anything severe. It just has to be scary that it initiates that fight flight response in that animal. Mm-hmm. And if it's repetitive, it's going to be worse. And some of the dogs that have had trauma is their reactions to things are far more intense and they don't calm down as quickly as the dogs that are a little bit reactive. So okay. if we're out with a puppy that hasn't, say like one of the, some of the lockdown puppies mm-hmm. that haven't had huge amounts of trauma, they just haven't had a lot of exposure to things. So they're a little bit anxious. They're looking around. If you have them in a situation, do some work with them, they'll be a bit reactive, but they're able to recover. And you start to see those kind of elements of curiosity kind of wiggling in. You start to see that wiggliness and they're kind of like, oh, I'm not mm. too sure. And the backwards and forwards, puppies start bouncing. 
in the dogs that have had trauma, it's almost like they have a flashback. They'll be put into the situation and suddenly they'll have this very explosive reaction that seems to have come out of nowhere based mm. on the smell of something or the first sight of something. So rather than you seeing that kind of progression of the, oh, I'm not too sure about this, it's more of a bam. This dog is suddenly explosive. It's very intense. We've got to get them out of that situation. And they usually can't calm down for a while. It's like they're they're almost reliving because with trauma is with the traumatic memories is they're not processed the same way as normal memories. And unless they're able to work through that, it just stays in this kind of trauma memory box. And if it's triggered, it fires through, but it's not processed as a working memory. So it just keeps backwards and forwards in this flashback. I see. Which is yeah. Yeah, which is really difficult for them. But almost like a feedback scary. loop, just yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. And, and unless also, they're able to be in that situation and work through it, so it changes into a far memory. And that's a really long process because they've got to be graduated to those triggers. And just doing that alone can take so long. And for some of them, you just can't you can't help them get over it in just you know, a couple of sessions. Mm. Sorry, Nat, go on. No, no, I was just going to say uh, uh, another big clue is kind of abnormal um, kind of activity budgets. So yeah. often we see, so, I, you know, I always ask as a standard, you know, how much does your dog sleep yes a lot of the time these people say well he doesn't he sleeps when we sleep it's like well wow okay so not only have we got potential trauma here and the reason for some form of insomnia but we've also got a dog with a sleep deficit which is a an issue in itself Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think you know looking and and also play no play play, um so you know you can definitely the glean things from the history but if you have nothing at all you can just kind of get a feel for okay this dog is not living a a life that a dog should in terms of what they should be doing you know they should be flat out asleep for most of the day they should be playing when where they're given toys and like you say um danny a lot of these lockdown puppies yes they've had a um a potential lack of socialization in that um really sensitive period but they've still got that kind of normal repertoire once they've given the chance to feel safe in a situation um so we're just going to have to treat them quite sensitively i think um and depending on whether they've been brought up in either a puppy farm or a home environment um that's where that kind of resilience and ability to bounce back comes from exactly and the dogs that have had not a lot of trauma history is when they are spooked and they start by something is the recovery is really quick mm. they're able to kind of go ah oh actually it's okay yeah. and they'll and they'll kind of wiggle and they'll go and sniff it and they'll be a bit funny and they'll do a shake off and then they're fine whereas those with with trauma not only will they be very slow at recovering but next time they go to that area where they were spooked you'll see them start to go oh is that scary statue there mm. or if they ever the, go back yeah some you know, of them they might avoid their, that room completely or that person completely forever (laughs) and some dogs you can have that have had normal upbringing but they've experienced a one event trauma and the best Mm. example i have of this is uh, my sister lives over in switzerland and they have a lot of electric fences and on one of the paths her labrador was wagging his tail too much and he hit his tail on the electric fence very traumatic experience for him because he then ran into the field and then had to run back out the field so he got shot like three times in the space of 10 minutes just from the panic of the initial um being shocked so whenever they go out the house if she turns left was where he was shot he used to sit down 
he'd be like, no way <laughs> am no, I going no. anywhere I'm not going the scary way. That path. I'll go this way, fine. And they had to do loads of work kind of going around. Um, but he would then start to, on other walks, he would just start to suddenly stop on a walk. And when they stopped, they'd be like, there's a fence over there. And he was starting to feel the vibrations of electricity in the ground from wow. where the fences were. And it was starting to affect his walk. So even though you've got a dog that developmentally had no trauma, that one experience was a very traumatic one for him. Mm. But even fixing, not fixing, but helping the dog through that is easier than those dogs that had the repetitive traumas because they kind of stack on top of each other and make it a lot harder. Yeah. I, an example of that I always think is um, like building work. The amount of yes. dogs I've seen where they, uh, you know, they and often uh, the clients haven't put two and two together because the dog was seemingly fine because they were just asleep yeah. in their crate all day. Yeah. Um, and you think, well, there's there's no way that that didn't have a, an adverse effect mm-hmm. in it. You know, the timeline works and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. again, as well, you know, we're, we're so, you know, talk about goal orientated. Also, our visual bias just comes massively into this. Yeah. If you ain't seen it happen, if it wasn't something yeah. that the dog could have seen, then surely, surely there's nothing wrong. You know, <laughs> yeah. you don't take into account smell, um, which you yeah. should make probably the first thing you're thinking about sometimes, you know, when it comes to... Mm-hmm things like trauma yeah I think it interests me how much visual bias sort of gets in the way okay so I've got an interesting example of that actually so our um uh, Jack is a a collie um and um our alarm the nest uh, fire alarm does a weird test every so and every now and again we've never had a fire I have set the smoke alarm off a couple of times but <laughs> I always open the door so he can go in the garden so he he can escape the noise I presume it's just quite painful for him because it's mm-hmm. very loud and piercing um and uh the first few times that he would take himself outside was when it would do its test so it would go the smoke alarm is going to sound as a test oh, and no. so that and then beep so then I, then he started learning the lady's voice on the nest smoke alarm meant that the beeping was, it's only the beeping that he's worried about. Mm-hmm. But then I had a very bad winter of, of not making very good fires. Um, and so a smoke out the front room with the wood burner, which sets off the smoke alarm. So mm-hmm. then he makes the association that mm-hmm. he smells smoke, he leaves. And... Um, it's fair enough when it's billowing out of the wood burner and you're going, oh my God, (laughs) you know, panic. But the other day he had a bit of a poorly tummy and we always give him some burnt toast for um, just, you know, charcoal basically to to Mm -hmm. help his tummy. Um, And uh, so we're burning the toast. Nothing else is going on that signifies I'm lighting a fire or all sorts. Um, But he suddenly just got up and left and went and sat by the back gate. And I'm like, oh yeah, the smell. Oh, yeah. Oh, little Jackie boy. But, you know, you can see how um, if if you were just thinking about the visual realm, I'm not making a fire at that point. So why would he think that there was the fire alarm was going to go off? But it's Mm -hmm. it's about the smell. And I'm sure there are things that are less obvious in terms of, you know, olfactory triggers or pheromonal triggers or whatever that we'd be completely... I, I could smell the burning toast, so it, I figured it out. But I can't yeah. remember where I heard this. This is completely anecdotal. Great. Um, but uh, 
fake news might, alert. might have been you that told me you, <laughs> you might have been you that told me about this nat but it was someone that was working on a case with a dog that was on on intermitt- intermittently refusing to leave the house some days would go out and be like woo we're going out for a walk other days not um uh and it anyway long story short it turned out that this dog had been attacked by another dog at the park um and the dog that had attacked it would intermittently walk past their house and have a pee on a lamppost right outside the gate of the house so as soon as they opened the door um the dog would be like nope not going out nope not <laughs> but of course the owners were uh, always like well there's no reason there's nothing i can't see there's no noises there's nothing again using your sort of human sense bias mm-hmm. sort of thing as you open the door i guess that would fall under the category of trauma as well wouldn't it yeah absolutely it's mm. a startling event for him that's that's linked to a particular smell and you know smell is it's not as big for us but if you think about like particular home-cooked foods most of us will smell a smell of something and go oh i remember my auntie making mm. this or my grandma or my you know so some people if you smell cinnamon you're going to start thinking christmas yeah you know or fresh grown grass and you think it's summer yeah. like it will autumn smell and emotions are so linked because your factory is linked to your limbic system like the, the two are linked same with your with your eyes like your occipital nerve <laughs> and that will reach that part of your brain faster than your cognitive part of your brain will so you'll react to the smell without even realizing that you've reacted. Mm. And that's the bit that almost fascinates me with trauma is that you'll see or smell or hear something and your brain will cause a reaction if they think that it's needed before you're even aware of what it is that you've smelt, seen or heard. Yeah. Yeah. That's the bit that a lot of people don't always understand with their dogs is they'll have these initial reactions to something before the dog is even aware of what it is they're reacting to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Your sympathetic nervous system is off. It's off. Run, Absolutely. Run away about 300 minutes before you've even noticed. <laughs> yeah, really. yeah, exactly that. And then you get the dogs that have the opposite thing and they have more of the passive response where I do, where they'll either just well, either switch into a different thing. We don't know about that in dogs. Um, or they do what my medical condition does where I just pass out. So if I, I'm essentially a fainting goat, mm. if I get too stressed <laughs> by something, I will have a delayed stress response where I'll just pass out. <laughs> so just, that, that would be your wrestler name. Fainting goat. Fainting goat, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am the fainting goat. <laughs> uh, there's a t- there's uh, a I can just imagine the special move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but one thing about um, just getting back to the conference mm. is we're having an evening discussion the evening before the conference starts. We're inviting everyone to come and join us. So this is going to be free for all conference attendees, but we are going to sell tickets closer to the event for just this one evening if people want to where we're going to have a discussion evening with Scott Stelfer and Diana Castor, who run an Effective Dog Behaviour Facebook group. And they are very passionate about effective dog behaviour, which is all Jack's Panscape's work. It's all emotional based. And they're trying to bring that through into, into dogs. They're both fantastic people. They're not scientists. They're very blatant. They say, we are dog trainers that understand the science. We're not actually scientists. And they're going to kickstart the conference, get everyone thinking more emotional before we... Mm-hmm. We roll on. So we've got a nice special evening with them on the 30th. And that's effective with an A, not an, an E, a. Yes. which which means uh, emotions uh, yes. rather than it working. But it does still work. So it spoke. Yeah. yeah, it's all based on the effective neuroscience, which is yeah. what, what Risa Van Fleet's going to be covering a lot in her talk. She'll be going into more detail about how that um, affects things. So that's like a nice little, kind of like a, almost like a cocktail party without the cocktails. 
Mm -hmm. So it's going to be like a nice video thing. Everyone can join in. We can all meet each other. Well, I guess people can have cocktails if yeah, they want exactly. to. If they want to, absolutely. You're in the they're in the home environment. It's exactly. The thing about virtual is if you want a cocktail, you can have your cocktail. Yeah, cocktails, mocktails, cup of tea, whatever goes. Very yeah, rarely absolutely. since lockdown have I been without a cocktail. I'll be honest. So, <laughs> it's just like my new accessory. <laughs> Does it have I, the umbrella though? Because it's not a cocktail oh, yeah. without an no. umbrella. Of course, of course, of course. I I love the emphasis on on the discussion and the chin wagging and the, yeah, cause that's the best part. Whenever you go to a conference, obviously hearing speakers and having your mind blown and all yeah. of that, brilliant, that's great. But the things you tend to go away with are the, you know, the chatting about it, the being able to ask questions, the, you know, it's that that's brilliant. I love exactly. that. I miss, I miss being in a pub after a conference with a bunch mm. of people where we get to discuss what it is and you get to network with people and go, and sort of ask a question. You're like, I don't know. Oh, but this person is here at this conference. They will know. And it's, it's nice to mix and mingle. We want to try and bring that, that sense of community, I guess, to this yeah. conference. So after the evenings, we're going to have, we've got the groups so people can type. It's like an old fashioned, like Yahoo chat room. And the people mm. can go and chat in. We're going to see if we can facilitate some like video call Zoom rooms so people can actually call together and everyone can meet each other face to face and have like mm -hmm. a nice little chinwag. It's completely up to the speakers if they want to show their faces or not. Some of them will, some of them won't. They're mm -hmm. all in different time zones and lives. But it'll be nice for us to kind of have a talk with each other and for the delegates to discuss and talk about their experiences and just... I want it to be nice in discussions. I love discussions and I love people asking questions and see if we can find those answers and sharing experiences. And that's what I really want this conference to be all about. Oh, so exciting. often it's kind of short shoehorned in at the end, isn't it? And yeah. usually people have got a rush to get a train or whatever. So mm. it's great that that's the emphasis. Yeah. And you can start talking in the, anyone that's got a ticket for the conference, the chat rooms are open. You can start talking in there if you wanted to now, or you can leave it up there. We're going to keep all the, everything up there for at least a year afterwards and hopefully make it an annual event we'll see how we go yeah. so we can just keep the discussion going and get people thinking and and just reaching out to people and especially dog trainers are those working with these dogs that there's more to animals than just training there's more than quadrants mm. like we yeah. need i want people to try and get past quadrants a little bit they're important sure but there's more to it yeah <laughs> and we need to understand the physiology of these animals and what's going on in their heads there's been uh, quite a few people that we've spoken to now on the podcast where that you know this is the way things are moving pushing towards um yeah. andrew howell's one that springs to mind mm -hmm. um yeah again from a sort of human psychology background andrew i think um you know um yeah. bringing that now you know to the front uh, to the forefront with dogs um yeah. i love conferences i love how enthusiastic you are after a conference that that is worth mm. admission alone i can i can yeah. track back for every conference i've ever been to and and look at the part of me that developed because of the enthusiasm of something i heard or learned or you mm -hmm. know it's they're so wonderful aren't they yeah and that's what i hope we're hoping that everyone that comes to this will find some area of it where they're like oh, i want to know more about this mm -hmm. this will really help my dog or this will really help my clients and just kind of branch on from that and then grow and we can create like a wonderful community of trauma-informed dog trainers and behaviorists where we all understand what we're doing we can share our knowledge and we can start trialing new things with dogs and going okay well let's see if we can do this kind of scent activity what about this kind of play activity i've had loads of success trying this you should try it well i tried doing this you should try it but we're all understanding that kind of emotional need and making sure that we've got that sorted before we try and do any of the training so it's just all the initial let's have a play with our dogs let's get them searching let's get them seeking let's start activating the right areas of the brain to help them go through 
and work through that trauma. Let's find out how we can activate the parts of the brain that allow them to meditate, which is all that kind of scatter sniffing things will mm-hmm. kind of activate that. It's like doggy meditation. What other things can we use that will trigger that area of the brain that make them feel safe and make them feel calmer? So it opens them up then to be able to learn and grow and live with us and everyone can be nice and not necessarily nice and happy, smiley people. Like that's the aim, but not everyone can do that. We live in the real world. But what are the little moments that we can take from this and share with our animals and go, you know what? We've got a beautiful moment here. Let's really expand on that. Mm-hmm. Now they can go back and they can rest and let's see if we can just have more little mini wins throughout the day where the dogs are just relaxing and able to to just be dogs and be themselves and realize that they're safe. Brilliant. I, I've Sounds got great. I've got a couple of questions before we go to a very special Fire announcement. Away. I wrote a couple of questions down as you were talking, right? Ooh. So this is for both. Oh. This is for both of you. Um, you know what it's like when you're like uh, you buy a new car and then suddenly you see that type of car all over the place. Yeah. Do yes. you too see trauma everywhere now? <laughs> yes. That sounds really bad. It? That sounds really bad. It sounds like a bad existence. Like I'm looking around seeing. But do you know what I mean? Do you do you, you know now you're kind of you're branching into you know um, making yeah, yeah, part of it as an expert. Like you know, do you start to sit like and go, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, see, I see it everywhere <laughs> in in dogs and in people in my friends. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'll see like statuses on Facebook and see people's behavior change and I'm watching going, that's a trauma response. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if you're ready to know that yet, but that's a trauma response mm-hmm. what you're doing right there. And especially like dog trainers and burnout is the big one. Mm-hmm. Like dog trainers are renowned for burnout, which is a trauma response because you're disrespecting your own boundaries mm-hmm. for some other unresolved trauma. I'm sorry, dog trainers, but you know, therapy. It's so true. I, <laughs> I, I tell you what, I, I have identified stuff in myself as well. Mm-hmm. The way I go, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't be bothered to say I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Or you don't, you don't want to burden someone else. Yeah, yeah. All that. Issues and all that. So much of that is is trauma. I think people, we've got it in the idea that, that trauma is like this big, huge event that had to have happened that was so horrible that it, it traumatized you. And it's like, it doesn't have to be. Like for some people, like it's, have you seen, there's a wonderful picture of, of two dogs in after they've been through a muddy puddle have you seen it and there's a jack russell yeah, yeah, that's like yeah, a, yeah. a lurcher type and it's like how deep's the mud and it's like depends who you ask the jack russell's like up to his neck in mud <laughs> and the other dog's just like got his paws wet and they've been through the same experience but the mm. response is different and it's so individual as well and you know you can have people that have been through like war zones and all these kinds of things that have really good resilience and don't have a lot of trauma disorders because for some reason their genetics allow them to. You've got other people where they've had a few little things where they didn't seem really big, but it had a really big effect on them. Mm. And I feel sorry for the people where they're like, I didn't have any major trauma in my past. You're like, actually, but the trauma that you did have was bad enough for you. And that shouldn't be diminished just because, you know, that happens. Similar thing with puppies where people were like, oh, well, you know, they're just raised in the kennels. It's like, yeah, a lot of puppies are. And some of them find that traumatic because they're separated from their mum. They're not able to explore. Hmm. Whereas others just bounce back and they're absolutely fine. And I see trauma just everywhere now, as you said. And I want to kind of push to try and help people work through it and to realize that what they're doing is potentially a trauma response. And there's ways that you can help yourself and we can help the animals. And I'm hoping that the more I do these little trauma conferences, people can start to help themselves and their animals and go, you know what, buddy? We both have the same issue. Mm. So let's work through our issues together. Mm-hmm. It's, 
it's not like top trumps, you know, trauma. You, it, it affects people differently. No. And you, you don't have to do that. Oh, yeah, well, uh, during the war and, you know, yeah, all that have the better tale. <laughs> it's just if that's the way you react to something that, that um, affects you, then that's mm-hmm. trauma, you know. Um, yeah. I've realized about myself, I've always struggled with surprises or a a sudden change in routine or, you know, um, just really simple things will throw me off completely. Um, And Jay is not like that at all. Jay is easy come, easy go, he'll do whatever. And we have to, you know, work quite closely together to to both get what we want because he wants yeah. to kind of go go with the flow whereas I'm like no 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 I need to know the flow <laughs> yeah so <laughs> I need that predictability like exactly. one of my biggest things that like not trauma triggers but one of the things that I struggle to do that my partner's the same is anything official that comes through the door like I can't cope with it yeah, if I get or, like a yeah, council tax that. bill yeah. <laughs> or anything for HMRC I see it and I'm like <laughs> and like I can't face like doing it I have to like really build myself up and prepare myself and have it planned in the diary ready to just make that phone call or to just go online and make that payment like really simple things I have such a big block I don't know where it comes from it's somewhere in the history but I'm like I can't do it my partner's the same and I remember a discussion where we were like, I was waiting for you to do that because I really struggle with that. He's like, yeah, but I really struggle with that. It's like, I can't face it. And it's like, just that's just too, it's too adulting for us. We need an adult to an adult to help us in that situation. <laughs> and it's little things like that. We're like, ah, oh, that's a trauma response. I don't know where it comes from, but that avoiding that important task. Mm-hmm. So imagine uh, this is a big topic. So maybe we, we're not going to go too into it now, but so imagine on top of that, knowing what you know about trauma and things like that, and um, and say someone that didn't know as much are using things like shock collars to help treat reactivity and things along those lines. I mean, that just, you know, knowing what you guys know and what you're going to talk about, and it, it just, that just blows your mind that, you know, mm-hmm. that, that could be, that in this day and age, we're still seeing something like that as an answer to yeah. treating something I mean, treating a trauma with more traumas, you know, or, you know, it just... The the most um, shocking, excuse the pun, uh, (laughs) example of of that I've ever uh, heard of and and seen footage of was uh, a a very well-respected trainer that is still in the networks and has been on telly. um, And they advised using an e-collar for an agoraphobic uh, staffy, and so the staffy just did not want to leave the house. Uh, I don't didn't get the ins and outs of, of why, but it, it was a trauma type response. There was mm-hmm. uh, drooling and shaking. You know, it was a, a full on um, retreat into themselves, mm. and they uh, yeah they made the home unsafe because that's where the shocks would happen in order to try and make the outdoors more safe because that's where she could escape the shocks. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Just think when you know all of this stuff about the importance of a safe base and, you know, uh, approach retreat and all that kind of stuff and how it builds trust and confidence, and then you go and do that. I mean, poor Um, dog. Yeah, and then you've got the repetitive trauma on top of that. So we're not just like one time 
incidents that's, mm-hmm. that's the increased predator on breaking down all that safety that's just mm. my heart bleeds for a lot of these things and I understand the well-meaning of mm, some of the individuals that use these techniques mm. especially the owners like I get the that kind of feeling that you're desperate you need to fix your dog you want to help them yeah found this tool these these trainers have explained them to you in a very charismatic way where it sounds like this is the best thing for your dog and it doesn't have these things but if you understood the physiological changes that happen when these things are used and how that affects you wouldn't touch them you wouldn't go mm. anywhere near them mm. and it's i yeah i i mm. <laughs> like like <laughs> i said you know we we could talk about this all day yeah, can we? Like, but you, stop it just makes me so sad when you think you, you hear about these things and then uh yeah but you know more more education more more conferences like yours more people getting in the know more you know yeah, the more it comes yeah. out there bit by bit piece by piece we will we will take it yeah, back we'll we'll fight it absolutely and i think if you know how something works on a physiological level it's harder to argue because you can argue training methods for days and whether something works whether something doesn't but when you know that when this event happens it triggers this thing to happen in your brain and you can see that on the mri scan people can't argue as easily with that because you're like but this happens look it's it's right here you can see the evidence Mm -hmm. here you doing that triggers this part of the brain which results in this doesn't matter whether you're using it in a positive way or a negative way or whatever quadrant you think that you're using that stimulus does that reaction in the brain. And I think if we can get people to start viewing these things on more of a simple level like that, people will be less inclined to use a lot of these tools because they'll be like, oh, this is affecting my dog a lot on a deeper level than they ever thought possible. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, fabulous. Yeah, more, more. We need more, 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 more. Yes. Or you need <laughs> well, let's, to... let's start with this one though. Yeah. So how on earth do people get hold of their own ticket? <gasps> well, they can go to conference.controlthemeerkat.com and buy one at the minute we have an early bird special which gives you a massive 65 pounds off so the 85 pounds for a ticket and that's the entire weekend it includes the evening we're going to have a couple of other kind of discussion videos and things with some people as like little little nice little things for people to watch and join in with too maybe some facebook lives and stuff like that um so that's where you get to go you've got until the 31st of march to get your ticket for the early bird otherwise the fee goes up to 150 pounds Oh, we'll, we'll stick um, we'll stick a link in the show notes uh, mm-hmm. so people Fabulous. can navigate straight to it. We'll also put loads of stuff on our Facebook page up and around it. But uh, uh, go on then, Nat. Are you gonna are you gonna give a special <laughs> announcement? <laughs> <laughs> that was rubbish, wasn't it? Was Maybe okay. do a better one. Maybe do a better one. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, we are very pleased that uh, Danielle has very kindly um, offered a competition prize. (gasps) So we're going to do a joint competition to promote this wonderful conference and our lovely podcast that we love very much. Um, And so we'll be launching that on our Facebook page uh, as soon as this um, episode goes live. So once you've finished um, enjoying having us in your ears... (laughs) <laughs> go on to the Facebook page and you will find a, a thread on there where we would like you to um, uh, like both our page um, and the, the Meerkat page. We'll put links to everything on there. And we want you to post a picture of your doglet enjoying reading one of yours or theirs 
uh, favorite <laughs> books that may or may not have appeared um, on the podcast. So uh, we are basically going to, we'll put the, the deadline up there, but it will be before the um, the early bird finishes. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got a, a couple of weeks to get all your friends liking your picture. And the one with the most likes gets a free ticket to the conference. Yeah. Boom. Boom. That's cool. That's really, really cool. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Ah, you're welcome. Hopefully you can go to someone that really is really, really interested and can jump on. So if you're a pet owner and you don't really want to pay the money for a scientific conference, but you're interested, just yeah. put a picture of your dog and you can get free access to this con to this conference. Yeah. Uh, we also have a couple of sponsors, if I could shout out. We have Tuggy yeah, Enough. Uh, most people know Tuggy Enough Dog. Love yeah, Tuggy Enough. Boys. Um, dog Walking Fields. Uh, oh, yeah, I like them. Yeah, they promote all the reactive dog fields. And mm -hmm. then Puppy Plus Training and Behaviour is a new company that's trying to promote preventing trauma and things in puppies. Oh, that's great. Oh, wow. That's lovely. That's yeah. really, really cool. Yeah, but I mean, I'm so excited to give your listeners a free ticket. I Yay! know, that's so cool. And they I get to put pictures of their dogs with books. That's I know. Amazing. Well, I, I guess we can be quite flexible, can't we? And if people who have already bought a ticket, um, please still enter because um, if... Uh, they can give it to a friend. You can, or... Yeah, you can nominate someone then and give it to a friend. It will still, still be yours if you win the competition. So <laughs> everybody get uh, liking and sharing and photographing we'll put all the rules up on the page though yeah uh, it'll... and then get all your friends to like your picture though with mm -hmm. the most wins it'll be brilliant <laughs> it'll be brilliant the conference will be amazing it will get guaranteed to blow your mind guaranteed absolutely without a doubt <laughs> without a doubt well thank you so much yeah thank you thank you for having me on we're gonna need <laughs> to do a photo Oh yeah, let's oh, do a okay. photo. And it's dark enough now, so your lovely gaming um, headgear <laughs> looks. I was like, I need to put a light on, but actually, we'll. Um... Yeah. Right. You ready? Yeah. Fabulous. Sweet. Okay. Brilliant. I, I feel like you need some sort of award for being first uh, returning guest, or a certificate, <laughs> or a fanfare, <laughs> or I don't know. What? I'm just going to keep coming back. You're going to struggle just to keep get rid coming of me. back. Yeah, 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 keep coming back. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> always a pleasure. We need oh. to get some kind of um, badge going. Mm. Maybe Ooh. we can get some Barks from the Bookshelf pins like I did the Drax pins. Mm. Yeah, I could be a Barks from the Bookshelf veteran. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like the uh, the Rue Peter Blad badge. <laughs> yeah, Rue Peter badge. <laughs> Rue Peter badge. Oh, Rue oh my Peter God. Badge. She's done it. She's, she's done it. She's made it up. That's good. Uh, <laughs> get a Lily Chin design. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Are we doing fake bye? Yeah, let's do fake bye. Fake okay. bye. Don't go Thank away. Thank right. Bye. bye. Atoms collide, our cells divide, just like they've always done. A spark of life, we multiply this ride, it's just Here at the end of a line
that stretches back through all time. Time guided by a primal desire to simply survive. Survive, you can't keep it down, you know, it grows. For feet, for seed, our genes compete. This war is never won. Numbers increase for reason and peace on mass as one with strong. And where opposition exists, it's our duty to persist, resist and fight and defend till the end, another's right to all this, this A kiss, you can't keep me down, you know, and I can't keep you down, I know, and it won't